other words, um, you and I as believers, if you follow Jesus, then you are actually, you and I are actually the raw materials that God uses to build a, a New Testament spiritual temple in which his spirit dwells. So I want you to think about for a moment the invitation that God has given to us as a church, that he's given to us as a people. He's inviting you into this incredible uh, structure, into this incredible uh, temple that's being formed so that his presence might dwell at the next level. And, And so just think about the privilege and the opportunity and the responsibility that we have and think about of all the places in the universe that God could have chose to dwell, he chose you. He chose to live inside your heart. And he chose to live inside the church collectively at the next level. What an unbelievable truth and what an unbelievable reality. And God is inviting us to lean into that reality. So I want to give you a quick recap this morning and just go back to the two foundational scriptures that this series is built on. Ephesians 2.19 says, Consequently... You are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. In other words, you're no longer a citizen of the world. You're now a citizen of heaven. The moment that you gave your heart to Jesus, you stopped being a citizen of the world and you started being a citizen of heaven. And I think most of our misunderstanding about the kingdom of God starts with our misunderstanding about our own identity about who we are in Jesus and what it means that Jesus came and changed our life. So your primary community is now no longer the community of the people of the world. Your primary community as a believer is now the people of God. So let me say it a a little bit uh, clearer way. You have more in common with the believer sitting in this room or watching online whom you've never met, whose name you don't know, than your closest friend in the world. You have more in common. But you say, whoa, 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 wait a minute. You don't know, man. We grew up together. We went to high school together. We played sports together. We on the same cheer team together. You know, we went to college together. We, we have the same hobbies. We were in each other's wedding. Yeah, 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 but wait a minute. That might be what you have in common on earth, but what you and the person you never met, whose name you don't know, who's a believer, here's what you have in common. You, you, you may know that person on earth well, but you have more in common because the Spirit of God dwells in both of you. You are both a new creation. You are both part of the body of Christ. You are both part of an eternal kingdom that the Bible says will never be shaken. So you got a lot more in common with the person that you never met. Now look at verse 21 and 22. In him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord, and in him you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. So this scripture just flat out says it. The the building that God is building that his presence is gonna dwell in is made by relationships that we cultivate between other believers. So my willingness to meet with you as a believer has everything to do with my desire to know God better. You see the difference? It's not about do we are the same demographic, do we have the same hobby, do we have the same background? That's not what it's about. It's about do I want God? 
Because that desire pushes me to lean toward other believers. Because the God that's in you is the same God that's in me, but I can't contain all that he is, and you can't contain all that he is, but together we experience him more fully. So my hunger for him will cause me to lean in toward his people. 1 Peter 2.5 says, You also, like living stones are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Now, we said uh, a couple weeks ago, you are a living stone, you're not a brick. I know some of you are thinking, you hadn't met my husband. I'm just, listen, you are not a brick. Here's why you're not a brick. Because bricks are man-made, and they're uniform, and they're all the same, and they're cheap. You're not cheap and you're not uniform, and we're not all the same, you're a living stone. You are a living stone precious to God, and so living stones aren't all the same. We come from different backgrounds and different ethnicities and different experiences, and we've been shaped along those pathways, but drawn together from the four corners of the earth by the Holy Spirit, constructed together to make a temple for His Spirit to dwell. So we're not all going to look alike. We're not all going to sound alike. And I, I can think of um, one place in the Bible, in the Old Testament, that tells such a beautiful story of this, and I, this is our, our teaching for today. It's uh, in, the, in the Old Testament book of Nehemiah. So Nehemiah um, was a cupbearer to a foreign king. He was a Jew. But the Jewish people, Jerusalem, which is the capital city, had been annihilated and destroyed by the Babylonians who were just a picture of evil and darkness. And they had destroyed it and they had taken the people of, uh, of God into slavery and into exile and they had destroyed the city, torn the walls down, burned the gates. And Nehemiah's, you know, hundreds of miles away and he hears the story. He hears what happens. And, and it just absolutely breaks his heart. And so here's the thing. They destroyed the temple. They destroyed the city. They destroyed uh, everything else around it. And the spiritual significance of this city cannot be overstated. It, in Old Testament times, it was the dwelling place of God. God dwelt in the temple, in the tabernacle. And so people would come from all over to meet with God. And then the Babylonians destroyed it. And so Nehemiah hears that, and, and he understands that a city without walls can't be a city, because bandits and villains and uh, 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 warring nations would come in if you have no walls, and they would destroy uh, everything. They would kidnap people, capture people. They'd destroy the crops. You couldn't have a city without walls. And so he understands how bad this is. Now, Nehemiah chapter 1 through 4, listen, look at this. They said to me... Those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. Look at verse 4. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. This breaks his heart because it's not any city. It's the dwelling place of God. This is the place where blessing flows. This is the place where healing flows. This is the place where peace flows. And it breaks his heart. It reminds me of a, of a story from one of our missions teams about uh, several years ago before COVID. We sent a missions team to Indonesia. And Indonesia is the, um, 
the, the largest Muslim-populated nation on earth. And so there's Christianity. We don't have many churches there, and Christianity hasn't really flourished there. And so there was this little church we were going to go help, and our missions team went in, and we had the construction materials. They had the property. We were going to come in and spend a week and help them to build a church so that they could reach their community. And um, the word got around that we were there and what the church was going to do, and this great amount of resistance rose up and pushed back and stopped, stopped the building of the church. So we weren't able to build the church that week because of the resistance in the, in the community around. And so the church retreated. What I mean by the church is the people. They retreated to a house, and our team went with them. And I'll never, I'll never forget, this story has burned in my soul for years, and I can't forget it. The people from that church came and sat in that house, and they sat on the floor, and they just sat and wept. They just cried, and they prayed. And I'm so proud of our team. Our team sat with them and prayed with them. Just sat in the moment. And those people were heartbroken and they were crying, not because a building wasn't going to be built, because they had found freedom in Jesus in a dark place and they knew that that building would be a testimony to that community that Jesus lives and that he's real. And their family and their friends would come to know Jesus through the ministry of that church. And that had all come to a stop and it broke their heart. Man, that, that challenges me. Is that how you feel about the dwelling place of God? When the dwelling place of God is hindered, when it's dismantled, when it's scattered, when you look on the news and you see the church being torn apart, does it, does it affect you that way? What would have to happen in your heart for you to care that much? For you to care that much about God's dwelling place, about the people of God, about the temple of God he wants to build. What would have to happen in your heart for you to be moved to physical tears and a broken heart and fasting and weeping? That's what, that's what happened to Nehemiah. And man, that's so challenging. But here's the thing. As long as relationships are optional, the presence of God will always be incomplete among us. It'll never be full. Nehemiah didn't know anything about building. He didn't know anything about construction, but his heart was broken and he knew he had to do something. So he went and asked the king that he was the cupbearer for. He said, can I go back to Jerusalem and help rebuild the wall? The king gives him permission. He travels over 900 miles. He comes to Jerusalem. He rides around the walls for three days and he sees that the wall, he sees how bad it is. And then he gathers the people and says, listen, this is the dwelling place of God. <laughs> this is wrong. This has to be rebuilt. And we have to start by rebuilding the walls so that we can rebuild the temple so we can restore the city. And as he, and he, and as he gathers the people, he convinces them it's time to rebuild the walls. Here's the question, how? Now watch, verse uh, 28. Each one repaired the section immediately across from his own house. So this is a massive wall. It's going it's to cover the entire city. If it doesn't cover the entire city, you might as well not have a wall at all because it won't work. And so what he says is everybody just go work on the section in front of your house. 
That, that's, that's all you have to do. You don't have to go across town on the other side of Jerusalem and work on the wall there. You don't have to work on a half-mile stretch of it. Just work on the section in front of your house. So here's what I want you to know. For all of world history, God has been building a dwelling place for his presence. In the Old Testament, it was a city with a tabernacle that ultimately became a temple that was made out of physical stones. It was a physical place. In the New Testament, it's a spiritual place made out of spiritual stones called living stones, which are you and I, but it's the same concept. It's a place where God's spirit will dwell. Acts 17, 24 says it like this, the God who made the whole world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. Not in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, he did. So darkness has done everything it can do to try to damage and destroy and divide the body of Jesus Christ. There's been so much offense and so much separation and so much tension and so much chaos and all of that, all the way back to, you're going to wear a mask, you're not going to wear a mask, you know, all of those things. And look, I don't, I don't even want to give you any more examples because I don't, I don't want anybody's back to bow up. All right, no, nobody's got to get offended at me today. But Satan doesn't want God to have a dwelling place on the earth. And we have one hope. Let me tell you what it is. The hope is, is that that fact breaks our heart so much that we will allow the Holy Spirit to make us a living stone that'll stack together and make a temple where the kingdom of God will not just be declared, but it will also be demonstrated. Right? This is what God is inviting us into. So, as we, as we kind of pull this all together, let me give you three thoughts this morning. Number one, you are a temple builder. You are a temple builder. Now, when, when, you, when you rebuild something that's been broken down, um, you have to start by first refining the materials. In other words, you can't just rebuild the wall where a wall used to be because there's just stuff scattered everywhere. So you have to remove the rubble, right? It kind of set the work site up again. What is the rubble? The rubble are the offenses and the wounds and the... the um, the, the damage that's been done, it's the disappointments, it's the unmet expectations, it's the grief, it's the loss, it's all of those things. And so here's the thing. This, this series has been real challenging. It's been, it's been really challenging. And maybe for some of us it's been challenging because we've kind of said, you don't, you don't know my history. You don't know what happened to me. You don't know what happened where I was before or 10 years ago or whatever. And, and, what, and what happens is, is we kind of get this idea, maybe not consciously, but subconsciously we say, I'm not sure I want to trust people again. Can I tell you good news? That's not even the invitation. The invitation is, can you trust God again? Can you trust God again to follow him, to answer his invitation and to lean in his way? Do you believe he's leading you the right way? That's what the invitation is. 
And, and so what you're saying is, God, can you just begin to fashion me and shape me and start stacking me in the right place so I can be part of the temple? Nobody's the whole temple by themselves. And then after you get the materials and clear the rubble away, you know what you have to do then? You have to, you have to clear the mortar off the brick because there's old, off the stone, there's old mortar on there. Because you can't just add new mortar to old mortar, it won't stick. So, you, so you, have to, you have to remove it, you have to chip away at it. What is the old mortar? It's the beliefs, that, the, the wrong beliefs about relationships or the kingdom of God or the church or eternity or heaven or Jesus or whatever that says, you know what? All my best relationships are in my past. I'll never have, at my old church or where I used to live or at the old place or the person who I used to be connected here that doesn't go here anymore or the person that I used to be connected to that passed away or whatever, and you may be saying, I'll never have that again. You got to chip that old mortar away because God's trying to build a temple and he can't do it with the old mortar stuck to you. You got to chip away at it and say, God, I'm, I'm here. I'm here fresh. Man, do something new in me. I'm not looking back. I'm looking forward. Dude, I want to be part of what you're doing now. Let Jesus put new mortar on you so we can be the dwelling place of God. See, here's the thing. The people in our community here, they don't want to hear us declare the kingdom of God. Honestly, they can just jump on any, any media outlet, anytime they want, any podcast, any sermon, they can hear people declare the kingdom of God till they can't stand it anymore. What they want to see is somebody demonstrate the kingdom of God. Right? And do you know when people come to church, they don't enter a building, they enter a community. They enter a family. They enter an environment. They enter an atmosphere. Right? And so when we allow God to make us the living stones and we're built together, man, they enter into this atmosphere and they say, whoo, man, surely God was in that place and I didn't know it. I didn't realize it. I just thought it was us just going to church. I just thought, I didn't know. Because we allow ourselves to become the dwelling place of God. How do we do that? Just work on the part of the wall that's in front of you. You don't have to go work on something else. Hey, I got good news for you. All of you introverts, I got good news for you, okay? You don't have to build a relationship with everybody in our church. So, I, if you weren't an introvert, you would amen that, but I understand. I understand. It's not in you. It's just not in you. I understand. But you don't have to build relationships with everybody in our church. You just got to build a relationship with somebody. You just got to work on the wall that's in front of you. So what do you do? Well, maybe it's the person that you sit around every week who you hadn't met yet. Maybe it's a person that uh, serves your children when you drop them off and you see them every week. Or maybe it's someone who serves your teenagers. Or maybe it's someone who you just notice every week when you come. You say, we've never met them. Why? Why have you never met them? Why do you notice them every week and you've never met them? Let, let, me, let me show you something that's absolutely uh, magic. Hello. It's a miracle, really. <laughs> hey, I've seen you here a lot. I've, we've never met. I just wanted to introduce myself. Just work on the wall that's in front of you. Number two, 
The people of this world are tower builders. The people in the world don't build temples, they build towers. What are we talking about? The world is built with Tower of Babel type structures, and those structures, I don't know if you noticed, they're crumbling. Things we thought would never change, we're seeing them change. Things we thought would never struggle, we're seeing struggle. Politics and business and sports and healthcare and education and tech. And in Genesis 11, we see the beginning of the Tower of Babel when the people rejected God and said, you know what, we're gonna build a tower to heaven for our own glory. We're gonna make a name for ourselves." That's what they said. And by the way, do you know this is the first time in the entire Bible that bricks are ever used? Watch, Genesis eleven three. They said to each other, come, let's make bricks. So already you know we're off track. And bake them thoroughly. They used brick instead of stone. What? Well, hang on. And tar for mortar. Then they said, come let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we'll be scattered over the face of the whole earth. They did just what the people of this world are doing. They build power structures and systems and empires. They build with bricks because here's what bricks are for. Bricks are made by man for man to glorify man. And stone is made by God for God to glorify God. So you can see in the Bible when God goes to tell somebody to build something, he usually tells them whether it's a, a, a memory stone, set the stone here of remembrance so that you can remember the things that God did for you. Or it's an altar built out of stone or it's a temple built out of stone. And now it's an invisible temple or a visible temple, but it's not a, a, a construction temple. It's, it's made of living stones. We have become the living stones so here's the thing, God doesn't want you to waste your life building temporary towers that are gonna fall. He wants you to build a temple that'll last for eternity. He doesn't want you to build a, a, a tower that's made by man, for man, to glorify man. He wants you to build a temple that's made by God, for God, to glorify God. And what's he building it with? Living stones. These worldly structures are shaking. You know what's not shaking? You know what's being, not being torn down, but it's being built up? It's the body of Christ. Matthew 16, 18 says it like this. Jesus himself said, on this rock, not on this brick, on this rock, on the chief cornerstone, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. So here's the thing. You got a decision to make and I got a decision to make. What are you gonna build? You're gonna spend your life building something and you can either build something for you, by you, to glorify you, or you can build something from God, for God, to glorify God. That's the two options that we all have. And wouldn't it be so much better if we said, Jesus, I surrender to you the chief cornerstone and I want my life to be built by you, for you, integrated into this temple so that I can help become part of the dwelling place of God. So do you want to build a tower or a temple? You can't build both. The question is, how much of God do you want? 
Do you, want, do you want God enough to lean into your weaknesses? Do you want God enough to, to lean into something that's countercultural? Do you want God enough to do something that's a little inconvenient or a little uncomfortable? See, this series isn't about relationships. It's about how much of God do we actually want? And how do we become the people of God? Let me, let me show you. Last week, we showed you the three-legged stool, the, the three pieces that move together to allow us to become the full temple of God. And we said God's word and prayer and worship and building relationships. Here's the thing. Until building relationships becomes as important to us as prayer and, God's, uh, prayer and worship and God's word, we'll never experience his full presence. Because the temple is made from living stones. So you can't just ignore the living stones and have the full presence of God now. Before we go to the third point, if you've been here the last week or two, can anybody guess what the third point's going to be? Where do we start with lunch? You ready? Number three. Where do we start? Don't overcomplicate it. Start with lunch. What do I mean? I don't mean go find the person who you've known for 15 years and they're like family and go take them out for lunch and say, hey, we're being living stones. What I mean is, find someone in our church that you don't know very well or at all. You might know their name, you might not know their name. You just don't know them very well. And say, hey, do you have any lunch plans? I'd like to just get to know you a little better. Can we go eat lunch together? Now, here's the rule. We're all going Dutch. All right? So nobody's buying your lunch. You're not buying anybody's lunch. You go, everybody pays for their own. But go find someone that you don't know. It, look, COVID caused bad relational chaos. Social media and our culture primarily is toxic to relationships. Isn't it about time that we have some good chaos and we allow the body of Jesus to produce some good relational chaos? So, in the month of August, we've asked everybody just one time find somebody and just go eat lunch with them. If you're online, the way that you can do that is just put your name and the city you're watching from in the comment section. Because may, maybe you've been watching for a while, maybe this is your first week to ever join us, uh, and you're so important to us. How can you lean in to this spiritual family? How can you lean into this temple? Just identify yourself. Let us know who you are. And then every time somebody does it, all the yos their own, jump on there and give them a, you know, a heart, a thumbs up, and let's, and let's build community. See, here's the thing. God always wanted to dwell with his people. When God created Adam and Eve and put them in the garden, the Bible says he walked with them in the cool of the day. But they rejected him. And then Israel came along. And God rescued Israel from slavery and he dwelt with them and they rejected him. And then God sent his only son Jesus to the earth and he, he had the, the fullness of God inside of him. He had the full presence of God inside of him. And as he walked the earth, the Bible says he came to his own, but his own rejected him. 
And they captured him and beat him and crucified him and killed him. And he rose from the grave on the third day. And then he sent the Holy Spirit to be poured out on the church so that the church may become the dwelling place of God on earth. And for 2,000 years, that's been the plan. And across those 2,000 years, sometimes the church has wanted God's presence and sometimes it hasn't. In some seasons, the church has leaned in and hungered. In some seasons, the church has withdrawn and been distracted and done a lot of other things. But here's the thing I want to tell you, okay? Here's how it's going to end. Here's how it's all going to end. Revelation 21, verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's, what is it? What is it? What is it? Come on, what is it? Say it. What is it? God's what? God's what? God's dwelling, God's dwelling. There it is. God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. That's how it's gonna end. So here's my question. If that's what heaven's gonna be like, why on earth would you and I wait till then when God has given us every indication that his desire and will and the fullness of his kingdom is to be the people where his presence dwells right now. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Why do we have to wait? Here's the question. How much of God do you want? That's really what it comes down to. This isn't really a, a series about relationships. It's a series about how much of God do you want? Do you want God enough to respond to his invitation to be built into a spiritual house? To be built into a temple so that when the world around us looks at this church and says, wow, the goodness and the grace and the love of God lives there. Wow. Wow. Would you stand with me? For those of you who are online, our prayer team has been praying for you all day and throughout the rest of this service, they're available to pray with you. If you need prayer, just jump in the comments and type your prayer need or just type, I need prayer. And our prayer team's gonna meet you there live right now. For all of us, man, would you just, would you just close your eyes for a minute as the worship team comes and just surrender? What is the Holy Spirit saying to you? What is he saying to you? What is he saying to your heart? What is he inviting you to? Lord, I thank you today that you're inviting us to a kingdom 
that'll never be shaken. As the world crumbles and it shakes and rattles, you've invited us to be part of a kingdom that will never fall, that will never be shaken. It is eternal. It is forever. God, as we look to you today, I just ask you, wherever each one of us are, meet us there and draw our hearts toward you now. In Jesus' name.